We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined again by my DallasBasketball.com colleague, Grant Afseth, uh, our Mavs Step Back correspondent here. He goes to all the games. He was in the building for Mavs Suns last night where, you know, it was the first game after a long All-Star break. The Mavs were riding a six-game winning streak. You know, you kind of wondered how they were going to look uh, coming out from the long break uh, and facing a good team because they faced two lottery teams the last couple of games, and they struggled at the beginning of those games too. But they came out, you know, it wasn't pretty at the beginning, but they stayed attached uh, at, a, at a certain point at the end of the second quarter. Uh, the Suns were up 63-58, to 58, and then the Mavs proceeded to go on an 18-0 run which gave them the lead for good. You know, they did, the Suns did cut it down to, I think, maybe five points going into the fourth quarter. But, you know, from that point on, the Mavs had control. Uh, Luka had 41 points, Kyrie 29. They combined for 70. Uh, You know, uh, the the Mavs, they didn't play Gafford and Lively a ton of minutes. I think they both played around 16, 17 minutes apiece because the Suns ended up going small. Uh, so, you know, they they played Maxi at the five to kind of space things there. And, you know, overall, uh, I thought it was a pretty pretty good quality win for the Mavs, you know, to uh, stay attached early on and uh, to finish things out the way they did. So now they have a seven-game win streak. It ties the, you know, the longest win streak of the Jason Kidd head coaching era for the Mavs. Uh, they're 10 games over 500. They've climbed out of the play-in range for now. Uh, they won the tiebreaker against the Suns. As Kid said after the game, you know, everything is kind of flowing in a positive manner right now for the Mavs. So what's your initial takeaways, you know, if you had to pick one or two big things uh, overall from last night's game that stuck out to you, and then we can branch off into the, to, to the smaller stuff, but what are some big takeaways you you had from that Mavs Suns game last night? Yeah, I think uh, it's a pretty simple one for the first one. I think the production of the two superstars when they're both on, they're very daunting, you know, a task to handle for other teams. You know, Luca with forty, you know, forty plus points, ten plus assists. You know, he that's a lot of production. He sets the tone. He's a lot to account for with schemes 
And when you have someone like Kyrie Irving kind of flanking him, uh, that's a lot to to handle because you're not going to be able, like as we talked about in other uh, you know podcasts, it's very hard to be aggressive with your schemes against Luca and then you know turn around and do the same against Kyrie. So when he's you know pushing the pace, getting out in transition, and like attacking you know drop coverage or just you know you know lesser matchups, that makes them very challenging. And then I think you know, overall the pieces around those guys at this point with, uh, you know, PJ Washington and recent, you know, just roster changes and just, you know, different players, uh, you know, overall in the supporting cast, they have a lot more firepower to make defenses pay than they did. Like if you think about the roster at this time a year ago, or even in December. So, and Dante Exum is also, you know, not back yet as well. So Overall, just I think a lot to like about the identity of their, you know, their team offensively and then defensively. A big part of it, something that Luca emphasized in the post game. This, you know, he's done that in other interviews as well, where he's emphasizing the size that they have. You know, he uh, in that one-on-one interview uh, with the Slovenian, uh, you know, reporter uh, that we, you know, wrote about. He mentioned, you know, if there's one thing he could fix with this team, you know, and that was in mid-January, it would be the physicality. And, you know, I, I put in the article that it's hard to be the more physical team when you're the smaller team, like almost on a nightly basis. So now yeah. they have a pick of, you know, not only uh, do can they go with Daniel Gafford if Derek Lively's in foul trouble or, or needs, you know, some opportunities to rest, but they also have the ability to play a six foot 10 Maxi Kleba at the four alongside either of those guys. And they can also still have size on the court when they are going small with a six foot 10 stretch five, who can do a little bit of everything defensively, particularly switching. So a lot of it is just stemming from identity, having the pieces to actually fulfill that identity goes a very long way. Yeah. Luca was kind of, he was planting those seeds early on, you know, well in advance of the trade deadline, like, Hey guys, (laughs) Hey Nico, we gotta, uh, we gotta do something here. So he, (laughs) He was planting those seeds and uh, the front office, you know, did everything accordingly, you know, after that. So, um, you know, people talk about people always like to say, well, you know, Luca might leave in a few years. and all that, But I just don't see it happening for a couple of reasons. One, he's not going to turn down. I think it's like a hundred million more dollars he could make. By yeah, he'd with, be the first player to make seventy plus million dollars annually, yeah. <laughs> uh, based off like the the way it looks. So that's the first thing. Like he, I, I just don't see a guy turning down that much money. The second thing is, they've kind of given him. You know, the people talk about LeBron being led GM. You know, for for every team he's ever been on. You know, he's kind of controlled how they're. I feel like they've given Luca the keys a little bit to, you know, call the shots. And, you know, if there's certain mood or certain players he likes, I think he gives more input into roster building now than what he probably did in the past. So, you know, I think he has more control over the situation than he did and that plus the money and, you know, him being a guy, it seems like he's a guy that doesn't want to move around or anything like that. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's an issue, but anyway, yeah, he's, he's been incredible. Uh, the team itself has it, just a complete, it's amazing how you can take just a couple of simple needs. We've talked about it all season long. You've been on this pod. We've talked about it. I talked about it with my guy, uh, DJ throughout the season, but we knew the Mavs needed a, a real starting power forward and we knew they needed some center depth. 
And so by addressing both of those needs, it has drastically changed the makeup of this of this team. And it's put guys on the guys that are under Luca and Kyrie. They're now in the correct spot that they need to be in the pecking order. They're not having to be, you know, overexerted or anything like that. They're they're playing within their roles. And, you know, it's kind of an underrated part of this season. Like you mentioned with Maxi, there was a point in time when he missed so much time with that toe injury. We were starting to think, like, is he just done? Like, is 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 he cooked? <laughs> like, what? Because he's been injured so much over the last several years, and it's been so long since we've actually seen him play well. You know, him coming back from that and getting in game shape and looking the way he's looking right now is a very pleasant surprise for a guy who is north of 30 years old and, you know, has had so many injuries over the past few years. So that's an underrated part of this run the Mavs are on. Uh, you know, Luca, he has kind of thrust himself into that MVP race. He's been in the MVP conversation all season, even though he hasn't been in the top three or so. I think he's definitely in the top three right now. And, you know, if he if the Mavs get to 50 wins before the end of this year, I think it's going to be hard to argue against his case to win MVP. He's just been he's doing stuff we haven't seen ever. Uh, you know, there was a stat I I have to pull up that stat, but uh, ESPN was talking about how, you know, the points and assists per game average, like what Luca has right now, is something that hasn't been done in NBA history. And I think the closest one was back in the 70s with Tiny Archibald. So, uh, you know, he's doing stuff we haven't seen. You know, the Mavs obviously wouldn't be the team they are without him. I think he has a great chance at winning MVP. But, you know, Kyrie Irving specifically has – been great too. I mean, I, I wouldn't say MVP level, but that he's been playing at an all NBA level since he came back from that uh that thumb sprain that he had. So, you know, I, I don't think he I mean he obviously gets a lot of hype and credit and all that, but I think he needs to be getting a little bit more credit because this seven game win streak has coincided with you know him coming back from that injury. And uh you know I I saw somebody online put it last night you know it, it's not Luca being Batman and Kyrie being Robin it's Kyrie being Batman and Luca is Superman and they've <laughs> they, they've joined forces and they're both playing at that you know alpha level so that takes everything to a whole new level for the Mavs they look like a title contender uh, they start a four game a tough four game road trip uh, against some Eastern Conference opponents. It starts with the Pacers, then they got to go to Cleveland, uh, then Toronto, and then they finish uh, against Boston, you know, arguably the best team in the league. So we will see, you know, how they can continue this going forward. But just overall, I mean, with Luka specifically and his MVP chances, he made a big statement against the Suns. Where do you think he kind of falls in the pecking order, you know, going against uh, Nikola Jokic and uh, um, Shea, you know, Gilius Alexander, you know, those are, those seem to be the top three right now is Luca, Shea, and uh, Jokic. So what, what do you think about his outlook for the MVP race? Yeah, I think a lot of it will be just as you said, and, you know, we've said a lot is the wins and losses. Uh, that's a big part of it. I think with Jokic, he's been the pretty clear number one uh, lately. 
you know, you, you can even look at like the ESPN straw poll that, you know, like Tim Bontemps does where he pulls a lot of people that actually like vote on the award and things of that nature. And he, uh, you know, had Jokic, like the results showed Jokic was pretty substantially ahead of everybody else with, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander at number two. So I think to change that, a lot of it, you know, the historic results, uh, just sustaining those results for him and then continuing to, you know, rack up wins uh, and especially marquee wins. Like, you know, a nationally televised game on TNT against the Phoenix Suns with playoff implications is a great way to do that. And there's plenty of opportunities, you know, throughout the rest of the season, like going on the road against the Boston Celtics, for example. If you have a big game against Boston, that, you know, kind of sets a tone, uh, you know, with how good they've been on their, you know, their home floor throughout the whole season and just in general throughout the whole season. So, you know, things like that, I think there will be opportunities, you know, to continue to not only improve the, you know, win-loss, but also kind of send statement performances as well. Yeah. And look, just uh, and I mean, I think it can be as simple as the Mavs hitting a certain win total. You know, I don't think the Mavs necessarily have to get into that top four range. But, you know, if they continue this pace and get to 50 wins based on where they were, you know, before the trade deadline, I I really think it's a, you know, it's going to be really hard to argue. again. Some of these other guys have really good cases. You know, uh, Jokic, he's more than worthy. SGA has had a fantastic season for the Thunder, but I, I just think, you know, the numbers, the stuff we're seeing from Luka that we haven't seen in forever. You know, some in some instances, we've never seen it uh, with some of the stuff he's doing. In other instances, it's like, you know, like he's the first player under 25 years old to have 10,000 points, 3,000 assists, and 3,000 rebounds since LeBron you know, back when he was 24 years old. So uh, stuff like that, I mean, I I think, uh, you know, voters will probably take into consideration. But um, we've got some more stuff to cover as far as, you know, some more detailed stuff of that Mavs Suns game. game. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about prize picks. Uh, If you don't know, it's a really simple way uh, to play daily fantasy sports. You can make your picks and submit entries in less than 60 seconds. Uh, They have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types. Uh, And that's what makes prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So uh, the Mavs obviously aren't playing on this Friday night. They won't play until Sunday. But I did make some picks. I was looking at who was playing tonight. Uh, I've got uh, the Hawks versus the Raptors. I'm taking the over on Trey Young, 24.5 points. Uh, let's see that we got the Bucks and the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Damian Lillard, six assists uh, with the way he's been. <laughs> and maybe this is me overreacting because of how Damian Lillard was playing in the all-star game, but I'm taking the under on the six assists. <laughs> I think he's going to uh, try and get his shots up more so than trying to distribute it. Um and then we got the the Rockets and the Phoenix Suns, both teams playing on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, the over-under for Dylan Brooks is 13.5 points. I'm going to take the over there. I think uh, I think Dylan Brooks gets the over on this one. Uh, LeBron James, he didn't play. for the, the Lakers will be on the second night of a back-to-back against the San Antonio Spurs tonight, but he didn't play last night. So he's listed his over under is 23.5 points. I'm taking the over for LeBron there. That's probably the easiest one of this one for me. Uh, and then the blocks 
for tonight. Wimby, 3.5 blocks. And Chet Holmgren, 3.5 blocks. And, you know, Spurs are playing the Lakers. Uh, OKC is playing Washington. I'm taking the over on both of those. <laughs> now, uh, you know, I, I, that seems a little excessive taking the over, you know, thinking both of those players are going to get four blocks. But, I mean, we've we've seen them do it several times this season. So, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, anyway, go to prizepicks.com slash step back and use the code step back all one word, all lowercase letters, for a first deposit match of up to $100. Uh, okay, so swinging it back to that Mavs-Suns game, one thing that you and I were talking about during the game is it felt like P.J. Washington was getting off to kind of a slow start in that one. Uh, it didn't feel like, you know, he was trying on defense, but it didn't feel like it was as effective in that first half as it was in the second half. Like, he really turned it on. Uh, even if he wasn't getting steals and getting blocks, he was contesting well. He was deflecting passes. He just had a nose for the ball. And I thought he I thought he really did have a great second half. He ended up with, um, in 31 minutes, he ended up with 12 points, six rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block. And like I said, the one steal and one block really don't, you know, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do the full they don't do him they don't give him enough credit for how he played on the defensive end. And he was four of ten overall, hit two of his six threes. He was a plus eleven. So PJ Washington. The offense is still developing. I thought he was better offensively last night than what he, you know, had been in some previous games. Uh, and that will slowly continue to improve, I think. But, you know, what were your thoughts on him, you know, especially on some of those plays where he was having to guard Kevin Durant? Uh, I thought he guarded Devin Booker fairly well, too, at certain points in that game. But, I mean, what did you think about P.J. Washington and especially his defense? Yeah, I thought he contained a variety of matchups very well. I think, you know, that's something that even during his Charlotte Hornets uh, stint, he he guarded Kevin Durant pretty well, you know, in previous matchups. And, you know, he's shown capable of even, you know, walling up or just being physical against even, you know, like Nikola Jokic and, you know, guys like that as well. So I think, uh, you know, having a focused role where that's of the utmost importance for what you do, uh, that definitely gets the best out of, you know, someone who's locked in on what they're supposed to do. And I think that's, you know, as the games go on, we're seeing that more and more from PJ Washington, having a wing that has the length and the size to be able to, you know, guard someone like Durant, 
but then also the you know the instincts to you know not rack up a ton of fouls guarding someone like Devin Booker as well I think that's you know, that's something that the Mavericks definitely needed another player to be able to do. I think, you know, comparing to what they had before, Grant Williams is more of like a like a switch and then funnel uh, using physicality as opposed to like holding his own out on the perimeter. And uh, I think P.J. Washington is, you know, provides a different dimension where you're able to, you know, contain those players a little bit better out on the perimeter, but then also have that wingspan to be able to contest when they are getting to a spot in short range and pulling up like, you know, a guy like Devin Booker or, or Kevin Durant. And I think a big thing as well, you know, with the the way the Mavericks were attacking, you know, the Suns offensively on the other end, I think they started out by, you know, frequently having, you know, Yusuf Nurkic guarding PJ Washington while putting Kevin Durant on Derek Lively. So they could take away those like one, five ball screens. So I think early on the first couple of plays, you know, PJ Washington kind of struggled like the, the, you know, two man game with him and Luca uh, kind of came up empty, but then they sort of started to figure it out there. And then that actually broke the game open out of halftime where, you know, Luca was getting to his spot, knowing that how the on ball defender was going to play it, got his three off. And then he also got the ball to, you know, PJ on the pop as well. And, you know, I think that, was instrumental in like, you know, really like breaking the game open overall. So, you know, seeing multiple uh, sequences, you know, where the defense is, you know, approaching you in a similar fashion and then, you know, picking up their results, that's an encouraging sign. And I think we're, we're an interesting thing for him overall, just seeing like the talent is there and just seeing how, you know, he becomes consistent in all of these facets as he's seeing these things over and over again. Cause that's one of the luxuries and the downfalls of players when they're playing alongside Luka Doncic, if you, you're going to get simple opportunities, like, uh, like your, your role is very clear. It's up to you to be capable of accomplishing a few things very well, but very frequently. And if you, if you can't, then it's, that's on you, but like first and foremost, but you know, that's kind of like the, the exposure of your skill set. If you have holes and you're yeah. not consistent enough in those areas, it becomes very glaring, very fast. And you know, the talent that PJ Washington has, he has the potential to be very interesting in the role that he has making defenses pay for trying to hide a big on him, for example, like they do against Derek Jones. So just seeing how that all like kind of formulates and becomes consistent throughout the rest of the season, I think will be a big part of, you know, how that factors into playoff settings. Well, I mean, he's, he's certainly shown that he's capable and I think and I mean, look, both the Mavs and the Hornets are undefeated since that trade. And it, I mean, I don't know if, if it was a wake up call for Grant Williams. I don't know if it's a case of, you know, he's on a lottery team and they're, they're not necessarily playing great teams and there's no pressure. Uh, I don't know what the case is. Maybe he's just a better fit in Charlotte. All I know is, you know, Grant Williams didn't work in Dallas and, they needed a guy with the athleticism and the ceiling that PJ has. And, you know, so far it's worked out for both teams, although I'm sure there's some Charlotte fans out there that are saying, why is Grant Williams ruining our tanking uh, <laughs> for this season? So, uh, and look, I was going I was going to your Twitter page, you know, to look up this, uh, this PJ Washington quote that he said last night. And I just realized it's your birthday, so – Happy birthday, Grant. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. 
uh, everybody be sure to show Grant some love there. Uh, we, we appreciate all he does for DallasBasketball.com. Go, he's got his own YouTube channel too. Be sure to go over there and hit that subscribe button. Um, but yeah, PJ Washington, after the game, he was asked, you know, about this win streak and his personal win streak since being on the Mavs is four. And he was just like, yeah, I was telling somebody in the locker room that, you know, I think this might be the longest win streak of my career. And he said he was just happy to be here. So, <laughs> So uh, PJ Washington is thoroughly enjoying his time uh, in Dallas. So uh, I'm going to uh, hold on just a second. Let me take off this filter here. So um, we're going to move on to Daniel Gafford. He didn't necessarily have the he didn't have a big statistical night like he had in previous games. I think he ended up with you know four points and five rebounds and. Uh, but he had some big plays, and one that I'm showing on the screen here, uh, you know, was where Booker drove down into the paint, and uh, he drove past Kleba, and then Gafford came over at the last second and just launched the ball into probably the fifth row uh, into the crowd, and, you know, it was he, he wasn't taunting, but he was kind of taunting. He's, he's real energetic and flexing and all that, and that's the kind of stuff the Mavs haven't really had since Tyson Chandler, it's, it, it immediately made me think of it. And, you know, there was another one where he, he also blocked Booker and, but they called a foul on that one because of the body contact that happened beforehand. But, you know, Gafford continues to show his value to this team, even when he's not having, you know, 15 point 15 rebound type games, because, you know, there was one play in the, in the first half, that we saw where he was trying to set a screen, you know, down low for Luca to get into the, you know, Luca, he'll set those screens down low to kind of seal off and Luca gets to the basket for a wide open layup. Well, the Phoenix did a decent job, you know, covering on that, but it sucked another defender in and it left Josh Green wide open in the corner for a three. So just that little action from Gafford, whether it gets Luca the layup or not, it is creating an open look for the Mavs. And, you know, I think he has been, you know, just as impactful as you could have asked for from a, a backup center. I mean, it's exactly what the Mavs needed because Dwight Powell, you know, God bless him. He, <laughs> he just, he doesn't have the physical attributes to do what the Mavs need. And, you know, I think they've finally gotten to the point now to where, you know, the, what, how, how do I want to say this? They they finally gotten to the point where you can play a legitimate center for 48 minutes if you need to, or you can go small and put Maxi at the five like we talked about, or even PJ. He's played small ball five before, uh, and you don't even have to worry about you know Dwight Powell and his limitations, and then he can still stay on the bench and be a great vibes guy and all that stuff. So, uh, I mean, what did you think about Gafford? Even though he didn't, you know, fill up the stat sheet like he had in the first handful of games uh, in that win against Phoenix. Yeah, I think just everything that you said. I think he provides a legitimate interior presence on both ends. The defense has to respect him, you know, as a roller and as a relief option and as an offensive rebounder first and foremost because he's been statistically one of the best you know in the NBA this season and has a reputation so you have to think twice about you know leaving him detached in the paint to you know get out on a shooter or to you know really be aggressive helping against a drive and that's something that you know definitely 
was not the case, you know, with, you know, someone like a Dwight Powell or just different, you know, options in general, if you're even going out with like a Markeith Morris or you're going super small with like, you know, Grant Williams at the five, like they did at times, you know, after that Christmas day uh, game or starting with the Christmas day game where they, you know, moved him from the starting lineup to the bench. So I think overall, you know, including the defensive presence that you have with the shot blocking, as you know, you described, that's a big element that they haven't had. They have two legitimate shot blockers, and that's something that P.J. Washington highlighted after the game. Uh, he mentioned that it helps them to be able to switch out on the perimeter and be aggressive getting into the ball, knowing that they can funnel those you know, dribble penetrations to you know, an actual shot blocker with an interior, you know, the threat of being an interior enforcer. And that's some dimensions that the Mavericks like, absolutely did not have <laughs> last season. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you know, if you bring it back to the center rotation, if you think about it, I remember this vividly. I think uh, it was about a year ago at this time, whether it was like I forgot the exact day, but I remember asking Jason Kidd after a practice, this is this is where the state of the roster was. What did you see from Maxi Kleba coming off his injury playing next to Christian Wood uh, in the two uh, big lineup? Uh, is that something that we could see more in March? You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like things of that nature. And then they they tried all kinds of things in March where they just went big for the sake of going big and they weren't getting stops. And it's like, I remember us discussing this. It was like, whether it's small, big, all shapes and sizes, there's just you just can't get yeah. the job done with the personnel that they have. So now they have the talent while going big and the talent while going small, and that makes a big difference. Look, and it, I'm kind of branching off here, but if the Lakers don't make the playoffs this year, you know, Christian Wood might have to retire because every team he goes to, and I mean, it's I'm not saying it's all his fault. He does have limitations as a player, but it's just it's crazy to me that every team he's been on throughout his career, he has not been to the playoffs yet. And the last two teams he's been on have been to the Western Conference Finals. So if if <laughs> in back to back years, if he joins Western Conference finalists and they don't make the playoffs, it's gonna be like, ah. <laughs> hey, teams need to maybe think about it before they before they sign Seawood next offseason. But um some other things that, that we noticed during this game, you know, Jason Kidd, during this whole win streak, really, he's been a lot better about taking timeouts. You know, uh, when it seems like the opposing team is going on a run in, you know, throughout the early part of the season and even last season, it just seems like he, he let it go on way too long. Like the momentum just completely left from the Mavs before he did it. Now, you know, when, when the opposing team gets like, three consecutive baskets he's taking timeouts earlier and it's obviously having a positive effect on this team who would have thought you know <laughs> taking timely timeout works so uh he has been great about that um uh, you gotta I, I gotta tip your hat to him there he's he seems to be managing things well uh especially while getting two completely new guys integrated into the map system so uh one thing though that I wasn't really pleased with from him last night is, you know, the fact that Tim Hardaway Jr. finished the game over Josh Green. I thought, I thought Josh Green played well enough to where, you know, he should have finished over THJ who ended up shooting. I think he was like one of nine from, from three last night or something like that. Um, and it's funny, you know, and I've talked about this with you, several times before, but, you know, one of the Mavs 
downfalls in the past is they're, they've been so reliant on Tim Hardaway Jr. Like he has to have a heater for the Mavs to win games. Uh, but now, you know, they were 0 and 8, I think, before uh, last or before the trade deadline when he shot, I think it was 22% or less from three. Uh, and now they're 2 or 3 and 0 since the trade deadline, you know, with, with him not shooting well. So they're not having to rely on him doing it anymore. But anyway, you know, with his, def- with his defensive limitations, uh, I just, I, I, I worry about that, you know, that kid put Tim Harway Jr. in to finish the game over green because we saw it last season, uh, you know, where when they signed Justin Holiday as a buyout guy, uh, they they started him or kids started him over Josh Green and it seemed to affect Green's confidence. Now I think Green has kind of grown past that phase. You know I think he does have some. Um, I, I think he has more confidence that can't be shook now because he knows what he can do. But I mean, what do you think about the decision to uh, to go with THJ over Green there at the end of that game? Yeah, I think overall, I'm not really a big fan of Tim Hardaway closing games in general. I think mostly because you're going to naturally have Kyrie and Luca if you're going to have your like you know healthy roster, and having a smaller non-defensive wing that is a streaky shooter that's going to be tough to you know kind of rely on to attack downhill. He had some plays yesterday where he did you know, get to the rim, like in transition and, you know, just a couple plays in general where he made some good plays. But I do think, you know, ideally the, you know, you would have a different wing out there. I think Josh Green provides the type of energy, a lot of the dirty work, hustle plays uh, that you would probably, you know, ideally prefer to have. And his shot's been consistent, you know, over the last, you know, couple months, I would say, uh, like really efficient. So I think, you know, he he can do the things that you like check the boxes of what you would want. Uh, But I also think another option in general, like if the shooting is consistent from a guy like, you know, P.J. Washington, or if you get, you know, more consistent shooting from Derek Jones, you know, perhaps you could play one of those guys, you know, at the three as well and then have, you know, a lot of length on the court. Uh, but that's probably the limitation that you're going to have to solve for when you're kind of, you know, thinking out the closing lineups is you have to have enough shooting on there and also enough defensive versatility. And that's, you know, ideally, I think you could find the fine line with, uh, you know, Josh Green, you know, checking those boxes. But, you know, overall, I think uh, with how teams are going to be aggressive trying to get the ball out of like Luca or Kyrie's hands in general. Uh, you do you do need the shooting, but you also need the ability to get downhill, especially if you're going to be countering those four on threes. So, I mean, I, I think uh, he played like okay, like pretty well in stretches uh, last last night. So, I think it was like um, I don't know, I, I, like it's it's a tough thing to to kind of know the behind the scenes or anything of that nature for why decisions get made. But just like on the surface level, I would think that uh, you know I would prefer you know putting Josh Green out there to you know provide you know, all that versatility uh, on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I I mean, I'm looking at it, you know, he was one of – Tim Hardaway Jr., he was one of nine from three, but he was four of four inside the (laughs) – inside the three-point line. Yeah, he he surprised me. He had a transition play where he just, like, had a couple moves and got straight to the rim and finished. I was like – I had to do a double take for a second. I was like, wow, Tim Hardaway. (laughs) Two steals, too. I mean, who who would have thought? So – I mean, look, I think it takes a lot of pressure off him. He doesn't have to be, you know, 
30 point per game heater type hardaway for the Mavs to win against good teams anymore. And I think when he does come back around to where he can have one of those heaters, that's just going to be icing on the cake for the Mavs because they don't necessarily need it anymore, but it is there. It can happen. So, you know, maybe that comes into play sometime in the playoffs. You know, we've seen it in the past where, you know, certain players, they might have a game or two here or there where it changes a series. They might not play that way for a full series, but they can have one game or two, you know, where they play pretty well and it, it makes a big difference. And I could, I could see Tim Hardaway Jr. being that guy at some point. So um, one more thing and we'll talk about and then we'll get out of here. Uh, the look ahead to this four-game road trip. And really, the four-game road trip is a thing in and of itself, but the next nine games the Mavs play are against Eastern Conference teams. And they currently have a 12-5 and record against Eastern Conference teams. Now, you know, obviously some of these are going to be tough because, you know, uh, playing on the road is never easy. Playing at Boston is, you know, almost impossible. But uh, playing at Cleveland <laughs> is going to be really tough too. But, you know, I think the Mavs have – uh, before you play Toronto as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cleveland and then Toronto back-to-back. That's, that's brutal. Uh, but, you know, this team has shown and, – and Jason Kidd said it last night, this is as deep as the Mavs have been in a very long time. It's been a long time since they've had this kind of high-quality depth. And, you know, uh, what, what do you expect for the Mavs on this – this four game road trip, like what's considered a successful four game road trip, given how well they've been playing, uh, you know, being on a seven game uh, winning streak, uh, two and two, three and one. I mean, I, I honestly, I could see the split being a successful road trip, but I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to put three and one out of the question here. I think they could still go out and do something like that. But what are your, what are your thoughts as they prepare for this trip? Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, overall this season, they've actually been one of the better road teams in the NBA uh, record-wise. So I think, uh, you know, factoring in the, you know, back-to-back and everything, I do think two and two, uh, considering they've kind of created some margin for error uh, in the last little bit, I think would be a quality result. I think ideally if you could get a road win against either Cleveland or Boston uh, to kind of be like a, you know, I guess maybe not like a message sender, but just like a, uh, you know, a quality road win, uh, just to show the potential of, of what you have, I think uh, would be a very, you know, a very good result with a three and one record would be very, you know, intriguing overall. I do think uh, I'm just curious to see overall throughout that road trip if, you know, like we get Dante Exum back, uh, you know, uh, from the injury report uh, yeah. article <laughs> standpoint, uh, because uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of those updates uh, in the last little while, last couple of weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if the Mavs are ma- like get him back, how soon will it be? Uh, what will the roles look like? Because, you know, someone who, you know, had been playing well before the all-star break was Jaden Hardy. And then I think he played like one minute, uh, if I remember correctly, like basically wasn't yeah. uh, in the rotation uh, last night. So I think, uh, you know, how they manage those minutes and speaking of the Tim Hardaway Jr. element of it all with Dante Exum playing a lot more, you know, yeah. at the three, you know, what, what does that look like uh, between him, Derek Jones, uh, you know, Exum Hardaway, all that stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of like little like sub storylines that could be interesting throughout that, uh, you know, that, that road trip and seeing how that translates on the court, uh, you know, could be interesting overall. Cause you know, I think overall Exum having that, you know, full court, you know, defensive 
ability, the length, uh, he can get into the paint, and he's shown ability to make defenses pay for leaving them open. Uh, that's a lot to like too about another option to close, you know, games with as well if he's healthy and you know you can trust that. So uh, I think uh, if you get the boost from him uh, at some point, or you just ease him in, like how that how that uh, is approached uh, is something to watch as well and could impact. Uh, you know, how they perform during the road trip, because when you're trying to make changes to a rotation, I think that could, you know, like seeing something different that impacts rhythm sometimes too. So uh, how they manage to sustain momentum will be interesting. And then, you know, some of the the opponents are are very interesting as well. Like Cleveland with a lot of front court talent, you know, the Mavs now have a center rotation that they're you know very happy with. So seeing how that, you know, against a, a center who like, quite frankly, dominated them in December yeah. with Jared Allen. Uh, seeing how they handle that one uh, is another interesting element to it all, too. Yeah, a few a few weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, I was I was trying to one of one of my friends asked me like, okay, what what do you see about this win? How do you see this win streak playing out? And I was like, if I had to just put money on it, I would guess that the Mavs end up getting it to eight, and then they end up losing in Cleveland. <laughs> But, you know, I was like, but, you know, maybe in the back of their minds, because I don't, Kyrie Irving didn't play in that last game against the Cavs, which Donovan Mitchell didn't play for them either. But, you know, with the way the Mavs just completely crumbled in that fourth quarter, or really the second half in general, and blew that game, I'm, you know, part of me thinks, well, maybe they come into that game with a little bit more, a little bit more fire and knowing it's the first night of a back to back before you go to Toronto, maybe they try and take care of business. So, well, we'll there's usually a lot of people uh, that are there for Luca because uh, they have a lot of Slovenian fans. So maybe, maybe uh, yeah. that's right. That's right. They do have a lot played of against Cleveland the last couple of years, if I remember correctly, too. Last year, he definitely didn't. So uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe that could be interesting in and of itself. Yeah, that, that is that is a very good point. I could I could definitely see Luca showing out for that one. So, and another thing with Exum too. I mean, I think there could be enough minutes for all of these guys if they can figure out how to get off to better starts, you know, with this with this new starting lineup and getting these new guys, you know, integrated and getting off to better runs because, you know, they've shown that they can turn it on in the second half. And, you know, they've come back from large deficits in several games and, you know, they didn't really get in a too big of a hole last night, but still they turned it on in the second half. And if they can figure out how to do that a little bit earlier – and, you know, Luca and Kyrie's minutes have been kept under 40 point. I mean, uh, 40 minutes per game, you know, so far since this trade deadline. If they can do their work earlier, maybe you can lower Luca and Kyrie's minutes even more, and then you have more minutes to distribute to these other guys, and it's not as much of, like, you know, having to pick one or the other. Maybe everybody gets a, a slice of the pie, so to speak. So, uh, Grant, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, to everybody listening, I appreciate you you know, coming in here and listening to us uh, talk about that game last night. I did a very quick um, recap pod just to have something up after the game because I felt like I just had to talk about what I <laughs> what I witnessed for a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm glad we got to come on here and do a, a longer version of it. And uh, y'all be sure to go uh, like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us comments, leave us likes. You know, we, we we like seeing all that stuff. If you agree or disagree or you have a different take from what we have, uh, we like to hear about it. So go leave some uh, comments in the YouTube videos and be sure to go over to Grant's channel too, Grant Afseth, and 
hit the subscribe button over there as well. So, guys, appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Uh, the Mavs don't play until Sunday, so uh, more than likely uh, you won't hear from us, or at least me, uh, until Monday of next week. So, y'all enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next time.